Hi, and welcome to the Pet Healer Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Mitzi Vargas. And this episode 25 is kind of special because the number 25 is the number of years that I've been in practice. Uh, well, actually, I have been a veterinarian for 27, but 25 since I own my own practice, Orchid Springs Animal Hospital, who is the sponsor of this um, podcast. And I'm just excited to um, celebrate the whole year round, obviously, our 25 years uh, silver anniversary. Also, personally, that's my silver anniversary getting married as well to my husband Gaston so definitely this episode 25 is kind of special the number 25 but I decided to uh, I had so many questions from uh, our listeners and I decided to tackle a big one which is mainly anesthesia for older patients so oftentimes our patients suffer because of the pet owner's fears. And not that these fears are 100% unfounded. They do have some base in a possibility of a reality, right? But we must, as pet owners, you know, always choose what's best for our pets. And in the pursuit of doing that, what is best for our pets if something happens obviously we have to at least know that we did everything that the veterinarians or the uh, specialists told us to do in order to um, have our pet free of pain or free of cancer or you know free of disease and if we don't do it then obviously we might have maybe uh, some time with our pets but it's the quality of time that I am concerned about okay so what brought this whole statement was uh, two things one of our listeners asked um, the if there was an op option to do a dental cleaning on their pet because you know right now in February we are um, celebrating National Pet Dental Month there's a lot of advertising and a lot of um, promotions and a lot of awareness being raised about the fact that 80% of all pets have some dental disease. And of that dental disease, about 80%, because, you know, there's the rule of 80-20, right? The 80-20 rule in, in business applies to everything in life. So 80% of all of those that have dental disease it is a hidden dental disease. It's below the gums. So you might look at crowns that look even white and, and nice. And below it, there's some processes, pathological processes that are going on that are rendering those roots painful and, and uh, maybe abscesses or, or maybe just uh, cysts, different things that can happen under the gum without you knowing, but it's causing your pet pain or discomfort at least. And so this listener asked me, you know, uh, her pet is 12 and she was just diagnosed with severe periodontal disease at grade four, which, you know, I didn't see this patient, but grade four is to me abscesses, gingiva is the gums are really swollen, very uh, foul smelling probably, uh, I'm painful. Maybe the teeth are moving. 
you know, so it goes in stages, stage one to four. So stage one is not as bad. Stage four is the worst of the worst. So this 12-year-old had recently been diagnosed somewhere else um, with a stage four, and they wanted to proceed um, with the dental cleaning, but the dog has a murmur, a grade one out of six. Again, one being the least concerned to six. And she thought that the veterinarians just were caring about the money. They didn't care about the pet. And she wanted to see if there's an alternative like to non-anesthetic cleaning or if there was any herb or any product that could help uh, with that. (laughs) So that was a woozy of a question because, first of all, um, we have to not prejudge the veterinarian as somebody wanting out to get your money or anything. It's just a recommendation based on their scientific uh, education, you know, and, the, and their findings, their physical findings. I wasn't there, again, I'm just saying to our listeners, you know who you are, um, that, you know, first of all, let's, uh, let's take away any emotional prejudgment of, of the motivation of the ve- veterinarian. The facts are your pet has stage four periodontal disease and a heart murmur grade one. So very, very bad periodontal disease and a very minimal issue with the heart. And your pet is 12. And it's a Shih Tzu. Okay, so let's just even, I don't want to say names or anything, but the, the pet is involved is a Shih Tzu, which is a small dog. And which uh, lifespan is usually about 15. So 12, still, you know, senior, but not super senior. We can get plenty of years of good years out of this pet. And uh, f- to address this question, first let's address in, in, in stages. The first stage is uh, let's, let's talk about what the problems uh, are and how bad the problems are. So periodontal grade four, it's very painful. So this pet, even if, if, if it's eating, uh, and one of the things that they say, well, but it's eating fine. Well, it's probably not eating fine. It's eating. It's, it's managing to handle the situation, and adapt. Uh, so dogs that have severe pain where the teeth are moving, where there's abscesses, where there's bad smell, they, instead of chewing the food, they swallow it. So uh, they, they appear to be consuming the same amount. It's just you don't even see them. And oftentimes they're not even satisfied because you know very well, your mom have told you, right, listeners, that you have to chew your food really well in order to... Um, to digest it properly and to absorb it properly and to feel satisfied. So these pets that are uh, swallowing the food, they are not being satisfied. And so they even tend to eat even more. So one of those uh, signs that I see is an obese pet with severe uh, periodontal disease. And I bet you, I haven't seen this dog, but I bet you he's probably overweight uh, and that's why the owner thinks we're, it's fat, you know, it's doing good. You know, teeth cannot be that bad. Yeah, they are that bad. And it's causing a problem. It's causing obesity problem because of that, because the pet is not even chewing the food. It's not digesting properly. It's, it's putting that pancreas to work even twice as hard because the food is not being pre-digested in the mouth with the saliva and chewing properly. So anyway, so that's one of the little cascade of problems that having a periodontal disease type 4, uh, you know, causes. 
So another thing is this uh, periodontal floor probably has tons of bacteria, evil bacteria, plaque-forming bacteria. And guess what? Your mouth is so vascular. You know it. You bump yourself. You bite your tongue. You're swollen for two, three days. You bleed a lot. You're swallowing blood. You know how vascular your mouth is and how sensitive it is. So if you have um, that bacteria, tons of bacteria constantly in there in the mouth, then what's happening is that animal is swallowing that bacteria. And where is that bacteria going? Well, half, let's say half of it is going into the GI system, being swallowed every time the animal eats because that's what's circulating in the saliva. 25% of it is in his coat making him smell bad. Why? Because the dogs groom themselves. They lick. They're not as obvious as cats, but they do clean themselves. And obviously they use the saliva. So they're spreading it in the coat and causing maybe a skin infection. So if, if your dog is overweight, has multiple skin problems, and has a really severe mouth problem, it's all related, my friends. It's the same source. So again, so... 25% goes to the skin, and the other 25%, my friends, goes into the bloodstream. Why? Because the bacteria is there always. They're biting, uh, they're, they're moving, the teeth are moving, causing micro bleeds. And when it's bleeding, it's a portal, an opening into the vascular system. So this 25% of this bacteria is getting into the circulation. So again, is being swallowed, is being spread all over your skin, the skin, and is being also going into the vascular system, which means it goes into your heart or the heart. And of course, endocarditis could be caused by inf bacterial infections. And endocarditis is the swelling and the, you know, problems in the valves of the heart. And oftentimes, those murmurs on those dogs. So you, now you're you're getting the picture, right? Because, you know, when you're listening to a podcast, you cannot imagine building up a picture in your mind. So this is a little fat, it's probably a little fat dog <laughs> that is swallowing the food, that smells really bad. The mouth doesn't give you really sweet smelling kisses. It's more like foul smelling kisses. And that is probably has multiple skin problems or GI problems uh, like pancreatitis or diarrhea, episodes of, of any of that. And it has a murmur. Why? Because some of the bacteria went into the heart, probably caused some problem in the valves. So in my opinion, this is a clear-cut case for intervention. We need to intervene right now. We need to get this pet um, the care that he or she needs. We need to um, sedate them uh, properly using uh, advanced equipment to monitor and to make sure that they are okay, putting, you know, all the steps that are necessary for a safe induction of anesthesia, maintenance of anesthesia. And, uh, and then under anesthesia, taking x-rays of the mouth, looking at the amount of bone loss, if there's any problems under the gums, and if there are teeth that are diseased, then taking those teeth out, taking x-rays afterwards, making sure we don't leave anything behind that could be a, um, folk, uh, you know, a small infection, source of infection. And so, and, you know, suturing the mouth closed and, and making sure that we take care of those issues. 
So, uh, you know, that would be to me paramount. You have to intervene in this case, in this case that is not hypothetical. There's somebody out there. So, um, so the first concern, you know, she says, well, you know, are they trying to make me do something? I don't see anything wrong. The dog's eating fine. So, no, they're not trying. They're just recognizing a big problem that has multiple consequences and letting you know that you need to intervene now. So that's one one part of the question answer. The second is, you know, is there any kind of um, non-anesthetic procedure? Uh, and I've seen them advertised, believe me. Oftentimes there are uh, veterinary technicians going out there doing uh, side jobs and and doing hand scaling. Let me tell you why that's a very bad idea, and it is not approved by the American Animal Hospital Association or the American Veterinary Medical Association. They both are against it, and the reason is common sense. Okay, so plaque or tartar is is the bacteria, dead bacteria there is attaching to the crown. Oftentimes, that is covering a diseased tooth. If somebody comes with a pick on the dog that, let me tell you, if your dog lets you go in there with um, sharp instruments to take tartar out of their teeth, uh, kudos to you. You train an exceptional dog or your dog is just exceptionally unearthed and can let you do anything. But it is very painful. I mean, even when we have our teeth clean, you know, sometimes they get into little spots that are, you know, are uncomfortable. And we don't, we know what we're doing. The dogs don't know what you're doing in the mouth and they can react aggressively. It's an act of, it's a very invasive thing to somebody to go into your mouth and start, you know, messing with it. For a dog, it could be an act of aggression. For a cat, it's always an act of aggression. Um, but uh, then let's just say that is a beautiful golden retriever and it's super sweet and it doesn't matter if you go in the mouth and do anything, it doesn't care. And then you had a big chunk of tartar and you came with a tartar scraper, which is a very, very sharp instrument. And you scraped the tooth at the gum level because you're a good hygienist. So you know that you have to go at the gum level. Now the gum's bleeding, by the way. But you took that big chunk of tartar. Guess what? There was a, a broken tooth because that dog, that sweet dog loves to chew on rocks. And it was a crack in the tooth. The crack had been covered by that layer of tartar. The tartar layer was being a protection for those tubules. What are tubules, you may say? Well, my friends, the tooth looks solid to you, but it has microscopic little tiny canals that um, connect from the outside to the inside the nerve of the tooth. The, so it's actually tooth, teeth are porous. They do have a layer of enamel uh, on top that protects them. Uh, but if that layer is gone by tartar and then by scraping it with a very sharp scissor uh, uh, instrument, then those tubules are exposed. And now that tooth that wasn't really causing any pain, now it looks very shiny. The, the, the technician that did the dental showed it to you, look, before and after, we had a big chunk of tartar, now you don't have it. Guess what? Now you had a non-painful tooth that was kind of, you know, it has some disease process, but it was kind of imbalanced. Now you open the wound. You took the scab out of a wound and exposed it. 
And unlike a wound, it would heal, you know, eventually. But the tooth, it won't. It actually, the tubules are open. It's like a sponge. It's absorbing the bacteria in the mouth. Because let me tell you, with the tartar scraper in non-anesthetic dental, you are not going to remove all of the bacteria. You're just going to do some, you know, half, excuse the word, job on cleaning some of the teeth. And so the bacteria is going to still remain there, good amounts. And so still that's going to go into the tubules and attack that nerve. And now you've complicated the situation and you definitely cause pain on that pen. I have seen cats being euthanized. This is the truth. Putting the cat down because they did a anesthetic dental. They lacerated the tongue and the cat, they didn't say anything. And then the tongue got infected and they had to amputate part of the tongue and then the cat refused to eat and had to be put down. That was the case. And so I don't need to to go through these horrific experiences myself to know that it's not the right thing to do. So non-anesthetic dental is an idealistic way of looking at teeth cleaning and uh, it, from the aesthetic point of view. So aesthetically, they look better. But medically, you've caused more trouble. So please don't do it. Just say no to non-anesthetic dentals. Uh, They should not be allowed. They're not sanctioned by any, you know, reputable uh, medical association or medical group um, because we know what can happen. And you might get away with it, too. There's some people get away with it and they swear by it. Well, God bless you and great for you. But... There is a big chance. There's always an 80-20 rule. Remember, 80-20 rule. So 20% of them might be all right. But 80% of them have complications after a non-anesthetic. It complicates. It makes it worse. Then the other thing I was going to say, answering this question, back to this question. So the age and the murmur. So let's address the age and the murmur. So the age is just a number. I know. It's a, it's, a, it's a cool saying, age is just a number, but it's true. It's not the age that I'm concerned about your pet. It's the shape, the physiological state of your pet. And how can we know that? Well, prior to doing any dental cleaning, you should always ask, or the veterinarian should tell you. Um, if he doesn't, then that's a red flag. But they should tell you they need a baseline of all the organs. How are the organs functioning? Especially liver and kidneys. Those are your filters of the body. Those are the ones that you're going to need a lot for that dental procedure, for that management of that anesthesia. So how are the kidneys working? How are the, How is the liver working? Um, is there any infection? Are this uh, situation with the teeth affecting more than one system in the body? You know, those are things that can be answered with a pre-anesthetic panel, blood work panel. It doesn't have to be very fancy. Just just check a CBC and a small chemistry. Then the other thing is, if your pet is over seven, uh, it's considered a senior, right? And for a Shih Tzu, definitely 12 is a senior. But, and especially if it has a heart murmur, I would definitely recommend, in our practice, at least where I have, you know, certified practice. We try to do the above the standard of care if we can, or at least, you know, at least the standard of care. 
So we definitely uh, want to do x-rays on all patients undergoing any, any procedure after seven years of age. And so that is what I would do for that Shih Tzu that uh, is 12 years old. Take a chest x-ray, make sure that there is, uh, you know, the trachea size is okay, that it doesn't have a collapsing trachea, that the heart size is okay. Because one of the signs of heart disease is the enlargement of the heart, the loss of the normal shape of the heart, and the size of the pulmonary arteries and, and uh, veins in the heart. And you can actually see them in the x-rays if they're that bad. So what I'm trying to say is that the x-ray it's, it's expensive, but it is necessary for your peace of mind, for the peace of mind of the team, the veterinary team that is going to do the intervention to know what to expect. Let's say the heart is a little bit enlarged. Well, that's okay. With a murmur, one out of six is a is an early stage of the heart disease. And this is where we should intervene. We shouldn't wait until it's a four, five, six and I have done dentals on animals that have a four out of six murmur, but otherwise all the organs are in check, everything was fine. So we went, the teeth were so bad that we needed to intervene and we intervened successfully. So those are the things that I'm gonna, you know, you know, want to discuss with this answer. It's not a straightforward answer. I would definitely for a periodontal degree four uh, intervene. The age is just a number, depending on the blood work and the uh, pre-surgical x-rays uh, results, then I would definitely uh, reassess what kind of anesthesia. There's many options for anesthesia, by the way. There are some that are very inexpensive and some that are a little bit of more expensive, but they are safer. I tend to use a little bit more on the expensive side. I use sevoflurin, which is a, a gas anesthetic that is... Co- keeps the animal on a very, very light, light plane of anesthesia, and it's used in human preemie babies. And I figure there are babies, there are fair babies, so I will use the best, the safest. So that's what I use for my for our patients, by the way. And then the last thing is the murmur. Again, the murmur, if the concern is on the function of the heart, the excerpt could tell us a lot of information, but if we want to go a little bit further, we can do a pre-anesthetic uh, EKG and with the technology nowadays, what we do, we have a uh, um, the EKG um, leads and they are hooked to a phone and we transmit all of that through the phone to a cardiologist. And I think the cardiologist that we're using right now is in New Jersey, but um, you know, a cardiologist firm. So we send it through the phone within half hour. We get the results back, interpretation of the EKG with the cardiologist approval or disapproval for a procedure. So if the cardiologist said proceed, no problems, or proceed with this um, consideration. So they might give us some considerations. Or he says, no, you shouldn't put, this is uh, too high risk. It requires a specialist. So those are the three options that uh, EKG preoperatively can give us. And uh, lastly, this applies, this hypothetical play, uh, case applies to dogs that have big giant tumors, even if it's a benign tumor that is just giant. I've taken seven pounds uh, of, you know, in a tumor, in, in a pet, um, or spaying, 
you know, spaying after 12 because they have a, a pus in the uterus. Uh, now is a very complicated case, but it can be done. Everything can be done if, it, regardless of the age, it depends on the state of your pet, of the physiological state, the health status. And so I hope that I brought a good answer, clear answer, and I hope that I got you guys options. If your senior pet has a situation where it needs anesthesia, where it needs, uh, the doctor recommends to intervene surgically. I am an integrated practitioner. Oftentimes, Western medicine is best for surgical, for the acute situations, for trying to uh, decrease the problem quickly um, with the surgery or with certain drugs. And then acupuncture, TCVM, all of the other holistic avenues are there to re for recovery and for prevention of the recurrence. So once we take those teeth out, uh, we're not going back again. So we're going to do things and fit things and um, start doing certain habits with our pets so that we don't get in that situation again. So hopefully this was episode 25, was a special one for you guys as it is for me. I hope I clear some doubts. And please stay tuned, subscribe, share this podcast. Please let us raise awareness about all the modalities and all the options that are there for your pet's um, care. I want to have um, lots of people tell me that somehow one thing that I said here helped them, their pets. That would be wonderful. So help me in that quest by sharing, by going to thepethealer.com or visiting our Facebook page, The Pet Healer podcast uh, page, and you can just uh, like us, subscribe, and thank you very much. I'll see you in the next episode. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. And uh, information about this episode came from my book, Alvet, The Revolutionary Pet Care and Longevity Solution, available in Amazon at our clinic and soon to be an audiobook. So look forward to that. And this episode was sponsored by my practice, Orchid Springs Animal Hospital. And our website is www.osahvsinvictorets.com, osavets.com. There's a lot of information out there if you want some more information on integrative pet healing. And our Pet Healer podcast is going to be available in all platforms. So we're looking forward to seeing you again.